there's this beautiful quote in the book that I truly believe and identify with is that when we learn to see the struggle as a necessary and important and positive part of the journey, then we can find true peace and personal power. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of Live an Extraordinary Life. I am your host, Tim Bishop, and this podcast serves as a guide to help you define what an extraordinary life is for yourself. And on this episode, I'm going to be breaking down some content that I recently read to help share with you some of the lessons that I learned while reading this book. And the book is High Performance Habits by Brendan Bouchard. The tagline of the book is how extraordinary people come to be that way. The interesting thing about this book is that it was really dense. It was a lot of content, a lot of material, and Brendan doesn't like to give people just a little bit. He wanted to give people everything and let them take it at their own pace, but he didn't want to hold back in pushing people towards living a life of high performance, as he called it. So before I begin going through and breaking down the book, you know, a few things that I really liked about this book was that it really wasn't all about what the word performance, I think, means in a, in a cultural sense. So his definition of a high performer is someone who creates ever-increasing levels of both well-being and external success over the long run. So high performance wasn't really about just achieving a lot in your career. It was really, it was really about creating a life where you are performing with your relationships, you are performing in your work, and you are really giving it your all in your life. Someone who really wants, I would say, to live life to the fullest. So I want to kind of just talk about some of the things that I really enjoyed about this book, and I want to break down the six habits that he said are the basically that after him interviewing and studying thousands and thousands of people, these are the six habits that high performers um, across the board have, and this is why they can live an extraordinary life. So One of the big things that I thought was really important that he highlighted is that achievement is not the goal. It's alignment. I like how he phrased this because he talks about how, you know, we can achieve anything we want. There's formulas already out there. There's people doing things. And a lot of us can do a lot of things. But the goal really isn't to just achieve and achieve and achieve. The goal over time would be to learn how to align your achievements with your values, with your purpose, with some sort of deeper meaning and purpose to everything that you do. And a big question that he kind of tends to ask himself is, how do I want to live? And, you know, that question becomes bigger than what do I want to do? And I think when you ask yourself, how do I want to live? And within that question, you can piece in the puzzles of your career and your relationships and the lifestyle you want. It allows for more proper alignment um, than if you just say, well, what do I want to do? Because that question can be misleading at times. Another thing that Brendan points out is a lot of people kind of, I think, refrain from this life of growth or this life of high performance. And there's this connotation that kind of says, well, why can't you just be happy with what you have? You know, I'm pretty content with what I have and I don't understand why I always need to want more. But he kind of phrases as phrases it as, well, you you know, you can be wildly happy with what you have and actually that's what you want to do. You want to be wildly happy with what you have, but still strive to grow and contribute more. You know, there's always ways that we can learn to feel more joy, to have more purpose, to do more in the world. And it's not about not being content with where you're at. It's about loving where you're at, but still striving to grow and to have more and to contribute more and to see how incredible your life could really get. So I think that's an important point to make because it really isn't saying I'm dissatisfied with my life. For some people it could be, but it could just be saying, look, I love my life. And the more I go on this journey of 
of growth, the more and the more and more I will continue to love my life. And I think that's a journey that most people would agree that is worth going down. So breaking down the first habit, I'm just going to kind of talk about briefly some of the things that I liked about the things that he said about each of the habits. So the first habit and the first three of the six were about personal habits. So the first one was about seeking clarity. And this is interesting because the more research I've been doing, it seems that every coach or personal development guru or neuroscientist is really saying that self-awareness is really important and seeking clarity on the things that you really want in your life. And it makes sense, but actually devoting time to that and to really cultivating clarity in your life is a whole different ballgame. The clarity basics that he talks about is really starting to ask yourself questions and starting to get really curious about the things that you like and not on just the surface level. Because I think we're often asked, well, what do you like to do? And what are the things you've been good at? And I think that's a start, but breaking it down more into really asking thoughtful questions, saying, well, what are my values and what are some bigger causes that I want to contribute to? And how does that align with what I'm good at it, with what I'm good at? Can I start doing research? Can I start trying things that align with these values? Can I start sorting through opportunities that are in front of me and aligning those, the values and the things that I care about and seeing seeing what happens. And and the big thing, you know, with this is that again, it isn't just one question and done. It's not like one day you ask yourself a couple of questions and clarity will be there. As Brendan puts it, the piano of purpose will not fall on your head overnight. Clarity is the child of careful thought and mindful experimentation. So it's really, again, this skill you're cultivating over time. You ask yourself questions, you ask yourself better questions, and over time, you learn to understand yourself in a way that you didn't before, and mindfully, you can start to understand how to navigate your life, your career, your relationships, and everything that you want in your life. The research that he has done has told us that People who are more successful, people who live more extraordinary lives, are more clear on the questions, what do I value, what are my strengths, what are my goals, and kind of like, what's my big plan? So people who tend to live more extraordinary lives have broken down these questions and have found a good way to answer them for themselves, but they've never stopped trying to improve those answers and to bring more clarity into those answers. And so Brendan really says that this is step one because self-awareness is so key to initial success. So he breaks down clarity into four components, and I'm not going to dive deeply into all of them. I'm just going to give you a hint of what they are. But it is self, it is social, so within relationships, it is your skills and your service. So he says try to build clarity in those four components, your self, your social life, your skills, and your service. And one really cool thing that he talked about in this section that I really enjoyed was to determine the feelings that you're after in life and being more clear on the feelings you want within those categories. You know, how do you want to feel on your own? How do you want to feel in social relationships? And really that we can cultivate our feelings. This section I thought was really interesting. All humans have emotions, and it's hard to stop emotions. You see something, you're afraid. You see something, you're happy. And we all have these instant uh, emotions that are more of reactions, and he considers feelings to be more interpretations. Emotions are hard to control, but feelings, he says, you can control. So the emotion is simply telling you to pay attention 
or to tell yourself that something is wrong. So maybe you feel afraid. Maybe you feel anxious. Maybe you feel angry. Maybe you even maybe it's a positive emotion. Maybe you feel happy. And then your feelings is your own. The emotions are automatic. The feelings are your own. The feelings is the way that you can dive into and say, how do I want to feel? So when you look at maybe something bad happens and you feel angry, that is your emotional reaction. But the feeling you know you want to feel in your workplace is focused and energized and driven forward. So when you're feeling angry, you can kind of reset yourself and think about, okay, I know at the workplace, I want to feel energized and driven towards my goals. And me being angry, this emotion is not serving that goal. So I'm going to let that emotion go and I'm going to choose to feel driven and motivated by the goal that I'm going towards. So I liked how he kind of said to basically control the feelings that you're after and be mindful of them and just to reset to them. And again, this isn't a overnight process, but I like how he basically said, if you go into a social situation or if you go into any situation and saying, this is how I want to feel in this situation and not letting external things really get in the way of those things. And if they do, if an emotion comes up, you know, being able to recenter to that feeling. And I thought that that would be a pretty powerful practice. So I've started to do that in my own life where before a social setting or a social situation, I will kind of reaffirm the energy that I want to bring to the room. So maybe it's an interview with a podcast guest and I'll say, okay, I want to bring energy. I want to bring a listening ear and I want to bring focus to this conversation. Maybe it's a friend and I want to say, okay, I want to bring laughter, joy, and fun. And it's just setting that intention before you go into any interaction like that helps you live more truly and authentically towards who you want to be. So to wrap up the clarity part of this, he really says, again, define what is meaningful for yourself. Don't let others define it. Don't wait to answer this question. Start asking yourself the questions that will help you define what is meaningful, meaningful for you and with greater clarity will become a better life. All right. And habit number two was generate energy. And Brandon described energy as the holistic kind that includes positive and enduring mental, physical, and emotional vibrancy. So this is all about, again, like I just mentioned, curating and cultivating the energy and the feelings that you want to feel on a day-to-day life. And really the big thing that he talks about here is that People kind of tend to ignore this. They tend to ignore stress and the feelings. And he says the most common excuse that he's seen is like, right now I have to just hustle or right now I have to just do this. Right now I'm just grinding through this phase in my professional life until this happens and then I'll be good. And he says it's never really going to change this feeling of you're grinding, you're trying to get somewhere until you choose to change it. You know, one stat he threw out, was, threw out was that one third of Americans are chronically stressed, and that stress is the ultimate killer of energy and well-being. The big idea here is really that you don't have to wait for joy, for motivation, love, excitement, or any really other positive emotion. Again, you can cultivate it, and you can decide how you want to feel. So he gives us some pretty cool practices, three big practices that I've already started to put into my life. And if you get anything from this interview. For this podcast episode, this might be the most useful thing that I found. And it's this release tension and set intention practice. And he said he's taught this to hundreds, if not thousands of people. And it's kind of what I was talking about earlier. But basically, he says that life is all about transitions. Our, our lives are made up of, we get up, 
and we do something else and there's a transition there. And we are checking email for an hour and then we go on to our next big creative project and there's a transition. And then we eat lunch and then we have to go out of lunch and another transition. And then we're done with work and then we have to go work out. And every single time there's a transition in there, it's an opportunity for us to lose focus, to lose steam, to get upset, to get frustrated, to not be motivated for the next part of our life. And he said, if we can master our transitions in life, we will master our life. And basically what he started to do is every transition in his life, he has started to do this thing where he for one to two minutes will close his eyes, take deep breaths, and start to just kind of say the word release slowly in his head, release, just releasing the tension in your life, releasing the past activity, releasing what happened in the past, good or bad, and then trying to set an intention for the next thing. So maybe I just had a long day at work and now I know I'm going to go hang out with people and I am like crabby and grumpy and I'm not in like my you know, fun state of mind. I take a minute or two, I release that and I set the intention to be, you know, fun, loving and there for my friends. Maybe it's you're halfway through your work day and you're just, you're losing motivation, you're losing steam. You have your lunch and you're not ready to go back to the next part of your day. Close your eyes, minute or two, say release and then set the intention. And this I've already started to use in my life and I just think that it is providing so much value in my life to set an intention before the things that I'm doing to try to set a goal and to live true to that goal and how I want to live. And it only takes a minute or two and it has a huge difference in your day. And you know, this is kind of a form of meditation and everyone that I'm researching, again, the research and the evidence behind meditation is clear. And this is another very practical way to use it in your life. Another thing that he talked about was bringing joy and how joy is a huge part of what makes people successful, happy, and fully engaged in the world. And he actually says, if there was one thing that you could decide to do, it'd be to bring more joy into your day. Because joy is really one of the deepest human emotions, really. If you have love but aren't joyful for it, if you have friends but aren't joyful for it, if you have security but aren't joyful for it, then then what do you really have? You know, your life becomes pretty hollow without joy. And one of the best ways and simplest ways to start to bring more joy to your day is a simple gratitude practice. A lot of people are talking about gratitude practices and it's because it works. You know, it's been the focus of most of the positive psychology movements, but there's no better way to increase ongoing happiness than to have a gratitude practice. And the idea is that you're not just simply writing down things that you are grateful for. The idea is that you are reliving experiences. So maybe you're grateful for one good thing that happened for the day, you're grateful for a friend and you're grateful for some bad experience that taught you something really important. And you spend a minute or two on each of those things and you truly try to relive the experiences and what they taught you and to feel the joy that those moments are now currently bringing you. And again, the research and the science says this is a great way to start cultivating gratitude and joy in your daily life and being more mindful of the joyful things that are happening around us every single day. And Brendan says, you know, just as athletes do a specific thing to get them in the zone, high performers can consciously cultivate joy. It makes sense. In certain professions like sport, there is this this function of getting in the zone and getting yourself locked in. And you can do that with any emotion. It just isn't as often talked about. But if you want to get yourself in a feeling of joy, it has been scientifically proven that this is something that you can do if you are willing to work at it and practice at it. And the final part of generating energy is really optimizing health. Again, this is just doing what 
you know you're supposed to do. Work out more, eat healthier food, sleep seven to eight hours a week. There's just, there's science and research behind all of this. And I don't have to go into all of this, but really the big thing he says is that not having time is a bullshit excuse because it really saves you more time by being healthy and it'll allow you to function and operate better on a day-to-day basis if you're healthy because it'll give you the energy that you need in your life. The third habit is interesting. It's raise necessity. And this is something that I feel like I'm still trying to cultivate in my life, but I'll just highlight a few of the important things that I found in here is that you know, he talks about some examples in life where people made made it to the top because they absolutely had to. You ask them, well, why did you make it? And the people will say, well, I grew up, you know, in a very bad neighborhood and I had to support my family and there was really no other way, another choice for me besides doing this. And he said, how can you create that necessity in your life that makes you want to have an amazing life, that makes you want to give more to others? And, and what does necessity look like? One of the things that I really liked that he said was that there's this quote that said, it's like your whole life and all that you stand for meets the needs of a moment. Prepare for the moment. So he's talking about how even if that moment isn't now, even if that need isn't right now, find a passion and a mission to follow and pursue because someday there will be a need and you should be ready for that moment and to attack that moment with full force. So I like how he worded that. He also talked about alignment again in this section when he said, we are more likely to be driven if what we're doing aligns with the future person that we want to be because we'll feel a need and a motivation to do a great job to get towards that person that we want to be in our life. So again, just retouching on the idea of being aligned with the person that you want to be and how that can be a motivation towards driving towards necessity. But again, necessity for me, I'm still trying to learn how you create that feeling of necessity inside of you. But the biggest thing that he says is really just to start experimenting and and wait to see until there's some unusual interest or something that aligns your personal values and your identities. And then just like jump in and get curious and get obsessed about it and really dive into to this thing and to find a necessity. And if it's not here right now, it's okay. But keep searching and know that you will find it if you're willing to go through that journey and that process. Another good way to look at it socially, which I've kind of been using a bit in my life now too, is he asked the question, to raise necessity, who needs me on my A game right now? And I kind of like that saying, instead of saying, you know, how can you do it internally, looking around and saying, who needs me right now? Maybe it's my family, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a coworker. But taking that look outside and creating a necessity saying, somebody else needs me. Maybe it's as simple as just a friend who needs you there, but maybe it's bigger. Maybe you really care about the mental health crisis and the work you're doing is a is trying to fix some aspect of the mental health crisis. And you look around and you say, all these kids, these adults, these, these people need me. They need me at my A-game today because this is who I'm fighting for. So looking at it externally can be a good way to do that as well. The last couple of things that he talks about with raising necessity that I liked was one, to affirm your why. And again, this just keeps going back to being confident about your why, but being open about the how. So confident about your motives, your deeper motives, and remind yourself of those every single day. Maybe put it on a wall, maybe put it on your phone as an alarm, but constantly triggering yourself and reminding yourself of why you're doing what you're doing. And that'll be a slap in the face as to why you need to do what you do. And the last thing, again, a lot of people are talking about this in the personal development fields would be leveling up your squad. And again, it's the same as the Blue Zone Solutions, an episode that I had made, have made previously, but really, you know, your environment 
cultivates a lot of who you are. And if you want to raise necessity in your life, like find people around you who want the same things as you, have the same values as you, who are going after the same things as you. Let those people be a part of the people that push you forward and toward doing great things in the world. So habit four is about increasing productivity. I won't get too much into these. There's a few things that I liked in this section of the book. And really, one thing that I've already done in my life and that Brendan recommends doing as well, and it's talking about the work-life balance debate. I've never looked at it like that. I've always thought about what are the main pillars of my life and what things do I need to tend to? And for me, a lot of the times, I kind of guide myself by five pillars and his is a little bit more all-encompassing, but mine are purpose, community, health, influence, and exploration. So for me, it's do I have purpose in my life and what I'm doing? Community, am I surrounded by a group of people who I love, who I can have fun with, who I can better myself with? Do I have good friends and family? Health, you know, am I physically, mentally, and spiritually healthy? Influence, am I doing my best to make a mark on the world? And then five, exploration, am I being a student of life? Am I learning? Am I enjoying the fruits of life? Am I getting out in the world and trying new things and those kinds of things? So I have those kind of buckets, but he has more of an all-encompassing look at it and his 10 areas of life were health, family, friends, intimate relationships, work, finance, adventure, hobby, spirituality, and emotion. So he has a lot of a wider array, but I think a good way to start being able to check in on how you're doing your life is to kind of create your big life buckets and then once a week be able to check in on those and saying, how am I doing in each one of these buckets and which one needs more of my attention? And this helps you be more effective with how you're spending your time as a result being more productive. Here's a fun fact. Americans spend on average four to five hours a day watching TV. So if you say you don't have time for something, just check that fact. I thought I would share that one. And then the last big thing about productivity that I want to talk about is that he really says the value in taking breaks. You know, there's this idea, put your head down and grind and keep working and keep working and keep working. But all the science and research is saying that isn't effective. Really on average, every about 60 to 90 minutes, you should be taking a two to three minute break and resetting. This break shouldn't be a break on your phone. It shouldn't be a break that is full of distractions. It should be a true two to three minute break where you get up, walk around, have a cup of water, and really stand up and stretch and move your body and reset and then get yourself back in the zone and go again. Doing a stretch longer than 90 minutes has proven to just have a complete decline in productivity and output. So to close with this section about productivity, a few big things that he talks about is really increasing the output that matters. And he uses the quote, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. So again, remind yourself about what's important and staying focused on that. And lastly, with regards to productivity, he says, get insanely good at the skills that are important to you. And I'd never really sat down and identified what those key skills are that I really want to learn that matches with my why. But after reading this book and having him walk me through this exercise, he said, what are the five major skills that you want to develop over the next three to five years? And simply writing that out and understanding that these are skills that are going to help me with my productivity, with building me towards where I want to be, that was a really beneficial exercise to do. So if you want to do an exercise, you could try to write down what are the five skills you think you're going to need in the next three to five years to get to where you want to go and then work on pursuing those skills. Habit five is develop influence. And the 
biggest thing I liked about this habit was really that developing influence is really about being more yourself and being open and honest about it. And, you know, he said there's this fear around this. There's a fear of being yourself and being open about it. But he really says people won't judge you. In fact, people don't really care. Most times people aren't thinking about you at all. And if they are, think about yourself. Think about how often you think about something or or someone and then you move on right away. So it's not a good idea to live your life in fear of what other people are thinking because oftentimes they don't give a shit about what you're doing. So own who you are and that is the best way to start making influence. And that's really the main point I wanted to share about Develop Influence. It's the main point that impacted me. There is a whole influence model that he has in the book that I will not go over. If you want to learn about that, you're going to have to pick up the book for yourself. And habit six, the final habit is demonstrate courage. So I really liked this section because it's sometimes people say, well, you have to eliminate fear. You know, I don't feel fear. Fear doesn't exist. And that's just not simply true. Again, Fear is an emotion. You can feel fear and everybody feels fear. But courage is a feeling. And he talks about how courage is taking action despite fear. Courage is not fearlessness. Mark Twain actually has this quote that says, courage is not fearlessness. It is taking action and persisting despite the fear. But what's interesting, as Brendan talks about, is that courage can lead to fearlessness. So the first time you do something, you're really afraid. But if you do it over and over and over and over again, it'll become less scary. So a great example in my own life is the first time I ever reached out to someone cold emailed them and asked if I could interview them. And then I actually interviewed them live. I was terrified. And I still get goosebumps or some butterflies before, but you know, I'm becoming more and more comfortable with it. And I assume after 10 years of doing podcasting that that fear is going to be, you know, all but gone. So this is why it's really important that we start living more courageously now, because if we decide to act despite fear, we're going to become less afraid of those things that sometimes cripple us. And we're going to be able to be more comfortable and confident building the life that we really want to live. And a big thing with this is learning to embrace the struggle. There may be an idea that when you get to a certain point in your life that struggle doesn't exist or or another idea that struggle only happens to certain people and we tend to feel like we play the victim card. But there's this beautiful quote in the book that I truly believe and identify with is that when we learn to see the struggle as a necessary and important and positive part of the journey, then we can find true peace and personal power. Look, I've said it to myself and I've said it to other people multiple times. Everything that happens in our life is building us towards the person that we want to be in the world, the person that we're supposed to be in the world. So all the good, all the bad experiences, they're all trying to teach us something and lead us somewhere. And once you can learn to adopt that mindset and feel joy for all the ups and downs, again, as Brendan says, you're going to find true peace and personal power. And he shares one final Michelle Obama quote, shout out to the Obamas, saying, you should never view your challenges as a disadvantage. Instead, it's important for you to understand that you're experiencing, excuse me, it's better for you to understand that your experience facing overcoming adversity is actually one of your biggest advantages. So again, embracing the struggle and embracing your story and where that's all taking you. Another part about demonstrating courage that he talks about that I really like is really just living in your truth and not being afraid to be who you really are. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, but just expressing who you are, how you feel, and your authentic and true self and not playing small. You know, I found in my own life that when I've started to send out a certain energy into the world that is more true to myself, I'm receiving that energy. You know, there's really, 
there's really only fear that's holding us back from being the person that we want to be. Fear of judgment, fear of failure, fear of not amounting the person that we think that we could become. But you're never going to be any of those things if you let fear get in the way. So don't play small. Live in your truth and keep working at who you really want to be and just be that person. And the more you do that, the easier it'll become. Again, being courageous can lead to fearlessness. What makes it easier is finding someone to fight for, you know, finding a bigger cause to fight for. And what I found interesting, actually, and a new perspective I have now after reading this book is that it doesn't need to be millions of people, you know? And I think I have viewed it like that in my life a lot of times where I think I want to impact millions of lives. I want to be a bigger voice for change in the world. But at the end of the day, he says most high performers and most people are really motivated by just a few people. It might be their significant other. It might be their kids. It might be a best friend, a mom, a dad, a family member. But at the end of the day, a lot of us are just motivated about keeping our tribe and our community happy and wealthy and well-being. So if so, if you, if you have the idea that putting yourself out there and being more creative and having more impact in the world needs to be this huge grand thing, you're wrong. It's actually just most of the time so you can be more there for the people who are around you and so they can enjoy your company and your presence more and you can help them get to where they need to be as well. And finally, after Brendan goes through these six habits, he talks about the really big thing to close off the whole thing is confidence. He has confidence as a mixture of competence, which is knowledge, skill, and understanding. So this is something that it can be built over time the more you learn and the more you dedicate yourself to a craft. Congruence, which again is being your authentic self and shaping your identity based off of your true values and what you believe in and acting according to that. Connection, so being connected to people, being someone who understands the value of connection and how it is one of the most important things that we can do in life is to connect with others because it's how we learn about ourselves, it's how we learn about the world, and it's how we can go better, and it's how we can better go out into the world and influence others. And then about curiosity, about learning what else is out there, about being curious about what more you can do, and about committing yourself to being a curious person for life about how truly great this life can be. So his confidence formula is competence plus congruence plus connection times curiosity equals confidence. And if you can always, and it truly takes confidence to go through this journey. And it doesn't mean you're gonna feel it all the time, but it's important to understand ways to build it, and it's important to build up your confidence when you're feeling low. So finally, the closing of the book. I really enjoy the closing of the book and I kind of want to just read this last paragraph and I hope that's okay that I just read this I guess I'm not exactly sure the rules on this yet, but I'm going to read it. Screw it. Um, The closing says, I hope that as you close this book, you decide to live with similar intention and reverence for your life. I hope you wake up each day and decide to practice the habits that will make you proud of your life. I hope that as you endure to live an extraordinary life, you bring the joy and honor the struggle and and seek to serve others. I hope that as you look back one day, having reached a level of performance you could never have dreamed of, you can say that you wanted you wanted it, you worked for it, you willed it to happen, that you never gave up and you never willed. You became extraordinary because you chose to. That reality, I believe, is something available to all of us. Now go earn it. And what a beautiful ending and what a fitting ending for my main message of this podcast, which is that You became extraordinary because you chose to. And that reality is available to all of us. 
Now, my people, choose to be extraordinary. Choose to have an extraordinary life, a life full of joy and meaning and purpose. I believe this so wholeheartedly. It is there and available to you. Now, you just got to go live an extraordinary life. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the show. I really enjoy doing these book summaries for you because I feel like when I read this amazing content, I really want to share some of the highlights with people so that they too can enjoy the knowledge that is already out there in the world. And I think that if this episode was interesting to you at all, that you should definitely pick up a copy of Brendan Bouchard's book. You will not regret reading it yourself and getting all the exercises and awesome tools he has for you to use in the book. So thanks again, people. And again, Go live an extraordinary life.